The Boat Row Bullies podcast starring Connor High, Izzy Glick. We are back yet again here. Uh, we are excited to bring you this one. Yeah. We're excited to bring you everyone, but especially this one because we have established on the podcast that James Harden is officially a 76er. We witnessed his first two games as a Sixer. Um, we had the All-Star break, took a little little break there. Yeah, we, we'll touch on the All-Star break. Um, I know we didn't really communicate it, but my thought process was, hey, like, still haven't seen James Harden play. The, the team played a couple games. They played all right. Uh, big win against the Bucks right before the break. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I didn't want to – especially if the all, if All-Star weekend was really good, <laughs> I would have been like, hey, let's let's talk about it. Yeah. It was not. <laughs> it was not. We'll touch. Let's. I, let's. All right. I, don't, I guess we can touch on it a little bit. Just disappointing is probably so, the best word, at least for the skills stuff, yeah, like the so, dunk, the three uh-huh. point. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, well, three, the three point competition yeah. that was kind of cool. Carl Anthony Towns winning, like that was fine. But like the the dunk contest, they need to figure something out with that. Yeah, it's it, it's very stale. Yeah, it's like. Who was it? Was it Jalen Green that had like nine attempts on one dunk? Yeah. But because he kept losing the ball mid jump, they didn't. They weren't counting. They it. need to do like a minute timer, if that, forty five seconds maybe. I mean, if you think back to the Aaron Gordon Zach Levine dunk contest, these guys were getting it on their first their first attempts. Oh yeah, no, it wasn't like Aaron Gordon jumped over the mascot, hit him oh, in yeah. the head, and it's like, all right, well, let's try this again, guys. Yeah, and it's like that was recently it was yeah. like the peak. Uh, and unfortunately, it seems like we've only gone downhill since. I can't tell you. I mean, I know Obi Toppin won. Yeah. But other than that. Cole I... Anthony dunked in Tim, so that was kind of <laughs> cool. There's that. Uh, I will give I will give Obi Toppin credit because that last dunk he did where he tapped it off the backboard and then yammed it. Yeah. It didn't that get a lot. Of, it didn't get a lot of love, but it was definitely really impressive. Uh, and then there's the All Star game itself. Which, I don't know. I kind of enjoyed the All-Star game itself. Like, there was a lot to like in me personally, just as a Sixers fan. Like, obviously, it was really cool seeing Steph Curry go off the way he did. 16 threes? Something. 16 threes. But, like, the way he was hitting them, like, yeah. it was just disrespectful. Well, and it, so, if it was just, like, Steph wide open in the corner every time, which yeah. there was a couple of them, I would have been like, uh, like, play some defense. Yeah, but it was like a, like crossing the half-court line, chucking it up, and then immediately turning around before it even goes in. Yeah. It's like, that is so cool. No, and that's, like, that's why All-Star Weekend is a thing. What I don't like, and this has been something they've been trying to fix for years now, is just, I get it supposed to be fun and laid back, but it's just, it's almost too much of that now. Yeah. Where it's just like, hey, there's zero defense. Like, the only reason Rudy Gobert gets in is because he's a good defensive center. Yeah. And then he gets into the All-Star game, and he's like, well, I can't do anything. <laughs> what do I do now? <laughs> I mean, he threw down a 360, and I'm not trying to hate on, on Rudy at all. I really respect his game. But his game doesn't correlate to like the like attractiveness of All-Star Weekend. Yeah. And so when you put the two together, it's just kind of like, well, he's here. Well, see, and that's the thing. It's like the first three quarters is just like no defense. Oh, it's nothing. But then it's the fourth quarter. I love watching the fourth quarter. That's when it gets really good. And that's like, I, I'm never really sure the intensity because the first time they did it, the intensity of the fourth quarter was nuts. I remember like I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. And then it, it kicked up again this year too. It didn't just, it didn't go as long because guys were making their shots. But like seeing Embiid, well, yeah, like, and, just, and, and, like immediately go into the post. Like he posts up Jared Allen. 
And, like, that's what I want to see. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of stuff. And then, like, the defense gets a lot tougher. And, like, Steph is still trying to chuck up his threes, and he's going for the, the All-Star game record for points. Yeah. He didn't quite get it. He was close. but like, He was two off. He had 50. 52 yeah. would have tied Anthony Davis. Yeah. And then, but, I mean, he was throwing up those threes, and he just couldn't get the last yeah. ones to go. Um, So, here's something I just thought of in trying to increase that competition level. So, a lot of the reason a lot of people are kind of, you know, half speeding it uh it's because they're mid-season yeah if you do something like um i'm sorry if you do something like the super bowl or i'm sorry the pro bowl yeah where it's after the season uh because i guarantee you you could find a gap of time between like the conference finals and the nba finals where it's like hey this weekend Mm -hmm. we're gonna do all of the all-star weekend is this weekend you know if you're whoever's in the finals you'll get recognized as an all-star if you're voted in um but it gives <clears throat> it gives everyone that didn't make the playoffs but is an all-star, like, one last game. And I feel like then you'd get players that are like, all right, yeah, like, I can – I'll go a little harder because, you know, if I roll my ankle – Like, you got time to recover from that. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> the only thing that concerns me a little bit, though, is, like, we've seen the what the Pro Bowl has turned into for the NFL – and it, it basically was a two-hand touch game this year. Yeah. No, like... Which I, I think the NBA would go a little bit harder. Like, years past, like, yeah, they've pretty much done... Like, they're just throwing up threes and dunks. Like, it is what it is. But, like, I, I, I like the intensity that they've gone with in years past. Yeah. Because then you get the guys in two that, like, they haven't really made it before. Mm-hmm. And, like, then they start going hard. Like, DeJounte Murray... And Darius Garland... like John the, Morant. John Morant. Like, those guys actually took it pretty, pretty serious. Well, yeah, and... I, I've always wondered, obviously, I am as average of a male as average comes mm-hmm. in terms of in terms of athleticism. So, like, when you reach that level and it's like, hey, you're recognized as an all-star now. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know if you saw, like, John Morant was on, like, his private jet flying out. Oh, just, yeah. Just, like, just just like vibing. <laughs> but, like, do you think he, like, steps onto the court right before tip? And is it, like, all right, time to have fun? Or is it, like, all right, I'm coming at your neck? Like he's going to come at your neck. Yeah. Like that's just who he is, it's, and we've seen it time and time again this was, season. The all so the all star game was fu- was fun. Uh, I think peak of the weekend was the three point contest. Yeah. Um, you could I mean you could do one a one b with all the all star game and the three point contest. Um, any of the skills challenges and the dunk contest is absolutely bottom tier. So there's yeah. only two categories worth watching and get rid of this category because. It, it wasn't like I didn't even watch it. Yeah, and all I saw on Twitter was like, "This is awful. What's going on?" Uh, I knew Maxi and what Scotty Barnes missed a couple of really easy. I'm not, I did kind of enjoy watching that. <laughs> I was I, I I had to make sure to support our boy Tyrese Maxi in the the Rising Stars challenge because I was like, "Yeah, it's like you know, it's kind of cool." Like I don't. Do they not do a Rising Star game anymore? I'm they, sorry. No, they did. It was Friday night. They did that. Um, it was they had basically like four teams. And it was like, two like they basically played each other, and then the tournament game, like the winner. Uh, so it was basically they played to fifty. Uh, so it was kind of cool. I enjoyed it. We didn't really see a whole lot from Maxie. Maxie was joking around with Joel after the game, like on the sideline. He's like, I had zero points, and he's like, Joel's like, How do you get zero points? I didn't make my way all the way up here just for you to get zero points. So I thought it was kind of cool. And then they did the skills competition for the the young guys, and of course Tyrese Maxie and Scotty Barnes were just atrocious. Barnes was missing layups. Maxi, he hit one three, and then Maxi came up to try. He no, Maxi tried to come up and hit the layup, and he 
you know, bricked it, and it's like, oh, gosh. It was just a nightmare watching, but it was so funny to watch. It was. Um, one of the weird things that was going on as they're, intro- like, they're introducing these guys, and then it was the 75 anniversary mm-hmm. team, and you hear Philadelphia 76er James Harden, and I think that was the first time that the trade, like, really felt real. Yeah. As hearing his name being announced with, like, Legend, one of the top seventy-five players of all time, James Harden, Philadelphia seventy-six are, and it's like, like the dude, like that's just wild to me. Yeah. So, so, we were at that point, James Harden was on the team, right? But we haven't seen him play at all. So we were all still in this like make-believe land of like, oh my gosh, James Harden is a Sixer. This is going to be the best thing ever. Uh, meanwhile, you have ESPN and whatnot uh, coming at you and saying, nope, this will never work. Uh, Harden's two ISO ball. Joel demands the ball. Who's putting up shots? So everyone in Philadelphia or any Philadelphia 76ers fan is just in this make-believe land of, like, this is as good as good gets. We're, like, drunk on power at this point. Yeah, and the best part about it is I know we have a very short sample size of two games right now. Yeah. It is everything I wanted it to be and more. Yeah. Minus one person, but we'll speak on him in a bit. <laughs> but, I mean, it has been it, – it is a fantastic pairing. Yes. Um, I understood the narrative of, like, hey, Joel demands the ball, and James Harden is a bit of an ISO player. Yeah. And that's not to say that he can't facilitate the ball because he's obviously one of the best in the league at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he went an entire season averaging a triple-double. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, at this or point – just about. I was gonna, it's pretty close. Yeah. I mean, he's, like – Coming in, it was like 22, 10 assists, and it was like pretty, it was pretty decent amount of yeah, rebounds. Yeah, um, But regardless, let's let's start with the um, the Timberwolves game. Mm-hmm. So give me your level. It's a Friday night. It starts at 8. Give me your level of excitement going into this game. So I work about an hour, like 45 minutes to an hour away. I left work at 7.15. Mm-hmm. And I, like pedal to the floor <laughs> like i drive a jeep yeah it is not the fastest vehicle in the world but i am driving past Kutztown. i i don't know if you saw i had i figured out your youtube tv uh email and password out i did get an uh a yeah. email notification about uh, that because i'm like like i'm never excited to watch pregame yeah i was excited to watch pregame oh yeah me too. so i have it up but i'm just listening to it um and i'm you know, driving the speed limit with air quotes. Yeah. Um, I get home. My wife is sitting on the couch. You know, my usual routine is I come up, I give her a hug, I give her a kiss. And I like sprinted past her. <laughs> like sprinted. Ran into my bedroom. Changed. I was wearing Sixer sweatpants. Uh, one of the Dr. J promo t-shirts. Mm-hmm. And then over that, I was wearing my Joel Embiid shirt. And then I have a Sixers like knit cap yeah. that I threw on. And I ran to my fridge, I grabbed two beers, and I sat down right before tip-off, and I was like, I... You talked about being on the edge of your seat earlier. My wife, three-quarters of the way through the first quarter, said, hey, you can, like, sit back, you know. Yeah. I I was, like, more off the couch than I was on the couch. Yeah. Well, at least you're sitting down. I was standing. (laughs) I I had a long day at work. That is true. That is true. (laughs) But it was... I was talking to some, some guys I play basketball with about it. It was the most excited I've been for a basketball game since Game 7 of the Hawks series. And mm-hmm. if I really think about it, probably the Toronto series. Yeah, I mean, that, like, 
I was thinking about that too because I always make the joke the last time I felt genuine happiness as a Sixers fan was Joel Embiid's windmill dunk. Yes. And game three against the Raptors. And I always make that joke. I was like, because obviously everything that's happened since, I was like, that was the last time I felt, I felt pure happiness. I was on top of the world. I was yep. like, we got the one of the best rising stars in Embiid. We got a lethal team, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, J.J. Redick. And then it just all came to a crashing halt from there. Like, um, like immediately. Brick wall crashing halt. Like, game four was about as disastrous as it goes. And then the series didn't really get much better than that. Uh, but that's for my therapist. Um, <laughs> so, my, my level of excitement... I was I I had my brother Nolan come over, uh, and I got I I went out. I was like getting pizza. I was getting sodas. I was like I had the whole like I, I I had the whole assortment ready. I was like I'm not missing this for the world. So literally like the game starts and like I've got my Iverson jersey on. I got you know my boat row bullies hat on. Shout out to Tony. Um, I'm like on the edge of like I'm literally standing up like watching the game as it's like tipping off. And I'm just waiting for it. I'm just waiting for Harden to touch it and, you know, get his shot up. And then eventually he does. He, you know, gets the layup up and the and one. The the most impressive part about that to me was the layup and the finish was fantastic. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, you're good. Um, the crossover? Yeah. Uh, I tweeted immediately on BRB. And mm-hmm. I was like, wait, this is how this works? Like, yeah. like, this is what happens when you have a ball handler who can handle the ball and really finish at the rim. Now, mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. Ben Simmons was that player, and then the playoff disaster happened. And I don't know. I don't want to. It was just weird yeah. because I was at Game Seven against the Hawks, where you pass up a wide open layup over the smallest defender in the in the freaking. I'm bigger than Trey Young. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't get ha- anyway. So I was like, this is. It was at that moment where I was like, oh, oh. like like, this is legit. But and I'm watching the spacing and I'm looking at everybody and it's like you got Maxi in the corner, you got Harden towards the the one side, you got Embiid on the other, and you got Harris and Matisse. Matisse is kind of like just camped out in the corner. But I'm watching just the spacing is just so beautiful. Oh, it's fantastic! And the best part is how many times have we seen the Sixers try to replicate spacing like that? But Ben Simmons' defender is way like yeah. far off. Of yeah. Him. Oh yeah, and it's like you have to respect Harden's three point shot because he's one of the most lethal three point shooters in NBA history. Yeah, to be fair, he's having he's only shooting like thirty three percent. A little this bit year. of a down year this year, I think. Yeah, but and the other thing, um, real quick that I I read today because uh, it was like uh, I read this article. It's like Embiid and Harden's pairing is like better than what people even think, and so Embiid was saying how he's never been more open in in, in his career. Um, I read this stat today. Would you would you like to take a guess? Embiid playing with Ben Simmons, the percentage of Embiid's baskets that were assisted on. Not just necessarily Ben Simmons, but just in general with that the were, team. So when Joel scored, when what Joel was the scored, percentage that it was a, like an assist to Joel? <sighs> Give me J.J. Redick 17. It's higher than that. It's, right. it's 44. <laughs> okay. All right, would you like to take a guess at what it is in two games so far with Harden? Um, just think just think in perspective listen, how... I, I can't think of a, a Sixers number that high. <laughs> uh, give me... Give me 87. You're actually close. It's 82%. 82% of Embiid's buckets in two games with Harden have, have been assisted on. Assist. Whereas before it was 44. 
just to kind so of so it's that o- it's almost doubled, basically doubled. Yeah, that's that's, that's kind of really wild. impressive. And you know, I think the first game against Minnesota, you didn't necessarily see it as much like with the pick and roll game because that was the big thing. I know a lot of people were talking about is seeing how Jane, like Embiid and Harden would move together in the pick and roll, but you definitely saw it against the Knicks. Uh, where, you know, it was... Oh, that pick and roll. So it was lethal. so much fun to watch it's against so the Knicks. Lethal. It's like you have Embiid set the screen, and then he rolls, and all the defense goes towards Harden, and he just flips it over to Embiid. And the best part is, too, is, like, Embiid does... He also has the, the ability to stay out and shoot. And even when the defense stays with both of them, then you have a cutter in Matisse. Who... I, I keep cutting you off. I'm really no, sorry. It's okay. Matisse, like surprisingly is thriving right now. Yeah, well, so they're leaving Matisse open, which is what we were kind of afraid of, and he's not really knocking down the shots. He's hit a couple, but he's he's slowly getting better. Yeah, but the thing with Matisse is Matisse has really thrived off of James Harden, uh, his finishing. That dunker spot. Yes, that dunker spot where it doesn't even need to – because there was the one play against the Knicks towards the end of the game where, like, it just – you had this line, like this brick wall. You had Harden, you had this brick wall of Knicks defenders, and then right behind it you had Matisse. And Harden just flips it to Matisse real quick and he throws it down. And I think that was the borderline dagger of the game. Yeah. Um, but it's like he's really thrived off of that so yeah. far. Yeah, Matisse, so a lot of people see him as like the prototype. Or I'm sorry, like the, like, we've talked about him being like a 3 and D player. Mm-hmm. Um, but Matisse is like an uber athlete. He's just freakishly athletic. So, I mean, you get him in that dunker spot. He's also a, a very good like slasher, cutter. Yeah. Uh, he understands where to be. Yeah. Which is why I really think he's thriving from James Harden. Just because now it's like, hey, like everyone has to sync up because it's a pick and roll between Joel Embiid, who can shoot the three, James Harden, who can shoot the three, and they both can get their like, finish at the rim. Mm-hmm. So we have to sync up to keep them off keep him off the three-point line, and stop the roll. And then you have Matisse, who just takes a backdoor cut, mm. and the paint is wide open. I Every mean, time. I mean, you could build a house with that. That's what I'm saying with the spacing, though, is because the spacing is so open, it just draws every like all the defense out, and then you get a quick backdoor cut from Matisse because he is so quick. And that's not even mentioning Maxi either, because Maxi could do the opposite, where he's such a good finisher, where he doesn't even need to, to have that quick backdoor cut. He just gets the ball and just goes right away, and then he's so automatic down low finishing. Like, you know, Tyrese has thrived so far, which I think a lot of people are a little concerned with their yeah. fit with James Harden and Tyrese, but it's actually been almost perfect at this point. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Tyrese was a two at Kentucky, right? Tyrese has never played primary ball handler. Primary ball handler in until his this entire year. career up until. Yeah, so I don't. And that's I I knew that in the back of my head, and so the thought I had was well he'll just he'll be fine yeah he'll, you know and and he's taken some really great strides at three point shooting this year I mean we saw it before James Harden even got there yeah where it was hey like he's hitting step back threes he's hitting his spot ups like you know he's 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 doing almost okay. automatic from the corner I don't know if you've noticed yeah, that, yeah. but he's, his his corner three pointers have been pretty automatic this year the when I realized the James Harden and Tyrese Maxey pairing was going to work. I don't remember what game it was. I think it was Minnesota. I think. Tyrese is in the corner, mm-hmm. and James whips him the ball in the corner, and all Tyrese does is one quick rip through. It was the fastest I've ever seen, because yeah. the defender literally went to close out, 
And he was already gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, well, that's the hmm. thing. So that is the Harden effect there because Harden will go ISO. And I love it every single time. And that was the one thing I was waiting for the entire the entire game against the Timberwolves mm-hmm. is when he went ISO and then it's like the man's just on an island the step back and then he hits the three and then he gets the four-point play. But he did it another time where he got a four-point play and then he was about to do it again to Carl Anthony Towns. And just as he's stepping back, he just whips it over to Tyrese and then that's the player talking about yep. where Tyrese just goes back door. And it's like, holy cow. It's like, this is so much fun to watch. Oh my goodness, yeah. The... And this is another thing I talked about with some of my basketball friends. There hasn't, like, the Sixers haven't had a guy that can get his own shot in. That's the other thing, too. And against the Knicks, you were, we were kind of faltering a little bit there mm-hmm. down the stretch. The Knicks took the lead at, in the fourth quarter. And then I think James Harden got the next nine points. And it's like, for a guy to be able to just, A, create his own shot, and B, create shots for others so seamlessly... Like, when was the last time we saw that in Philly? It's probably AI. Well, I was going to say, the honest. closest we got in recent memory is Jimmy Butler. That's, yeah, that's The fair. closest. That's fair. And now, the only reason I say closest is because he wasn't a fantastic three-point shooter. He, yeah. was, he was good. He, he was could, respectable. He could knock him down, yeah. But, I mean, there were, there were times where it was like, hey, like, give a soft closeout because his, Jimmy's game is finishing at the rim and mid-range. Yeah. So, you know, close out on him, but don't dead sprint like James Harden. Yeah. Like, when James Harden takes a step back, it's a dead sprint. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, outside of that, the only true answer to that, you're correct, is, is Allen Iverson. The, I mean, Harden, it's kind of funny, because Harden is basically, like, your, your new age prototypical analytics player, where it's just threes and anything close to the hoop. Yeah, threes and layups. Threes and layups, and that, like, literally, I... It was a couple of years ago. I think it was his MVP season. They showed a shot chart of like his like season, and it was literally just all these dots right around the hoop, and all these dots around the three point line. There was almost nothing in the mid range. Yeah. Um. One player that I love, totally out of left field. Speaking of the mid range, that has like kept it alive, especially mm-hmm. this season, uh, is actually my dark horse MVP candidate, Demar Derozan. Oh yeah, the uh, DeRozan, especially for the the past month, he honestly might win Player of the Month. He he is lethal from mm-hmm. the mid range. Yeah, like he's there was a stretch where he had like thirty plus points on seventy percent field goal percentage mm-hmm. in like four or five consecutive games. Yeah, which is just and then you look at his shot chart and it's like oh he didn't shoot lights out from three. He took one three that game or he took two and made one. It's it's mid range. And it's layups. Yeah. I well, mean, he, he had that stretch where he was averaging at least like 32 or 33 points a game. Like yeah. He it, was going on an absolute It was he insane. Was had, he had one of those like Embiid tears going for him. Yeah. And again, that was just out of left field. But I, I myself. As a basketball but, fan. Yeah. And it, as a basketball fan in general, it's, it's nice to see DeRozan thrive. It's nice to see. And we've mentioned this. I, I believe I've mentioned it when it comes to like playoffs and not seeing like the Cavs or the Warriors back there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's nice to see like a different pool of MVP candidates. Yeah, and like all stars in the All Star game, like because like your candidates right now, Jokic, who mm-hmm. I don't care if he won last year, still center, up a he's a phenomenal. center. Yeah, and that's fantastic. Joel Embiid, again, our guy, but also a center. Right. You have Giannis, who is just 
everything. He, yeah. <laughs> and he's getting to that point now where I'm like, all right, Giannis, like, get out of here. Like, yeah. like, what more do you need? Yeah. Um, but then, like, you have guys that are in the conversation. Uh, John Morant is in the conversation. Mm-hmm. DeMar DeRozan's in the conversation. Mm-hmm. For a while there, uh, Chris Paul and Devin Booker were in the conversation. Which is wild to think, considering how old Paul is and well, Booker, what he's done. Not, not even that. The crazier part to me is that you have two people on the same team yeah. in that conversation. I mean, you had that with... Because uh, James Harden and Kevin Durant were both in that conversation this year, too. Yeah. Now, that was a little earlier. But it's just it's just really, really nice to see, like, just, like, the new age, like, hey... Here are your best players. Again, that's not. I'm not trying to discredit uh, LeBron, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. Like those guys. I mean, I'm pretty sure all three of them. They were. We're in the 75 top 75. Oh, yeah. No, uh, they're easily up there. I mean, you're looking at LeBron, who to me is the second best player of all time. But I mean, like it's just really refreshing to get a new group of guys to say, "Hey, this is our league now." Yeah. Like here's what your MVP debates are going to start to look like. Um, the current debate for the past however many months has been, hey, we have two centers yeah. who, who are going, you know, blow for blow at each other for the MB, MVP of the Literally season. winning players of the month on each side. Yeah, it's like, before last year, the last player to win MVP that was a center was Shaq. Yeah. And I, I don't think that was, was I think it the 01 season? I think it was 01, yeah. Yeah, so you're looking at 20-odd, some like 20-some years ago. Yeah. Which is just absurd because uh, my favorite saying is that like life always goes full circle, mm-hmm. uh, just like everything else goes full circle. So we're at a point now where like, hey, centers are back to being the best player in the league or look in that direction where because what happens is all of a sudden Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic start to take over the league. Then you need to draft players that can defend and stop them, them. Yeah. and then and then all of a sudden you have these really great group of centers, and then all of a sudden you get like. A Steph Curry who's like, I can shoot threes from my house. Um, yeah. And then it's like, well, we need guys that can defend him. And then they happen to be great three-point shooters. Just and it's just a huge cycle. cycle, yeah. Um, but it's just fun. Like, it is like, fun. As a basketball fan, like this season, we are pretty much, fingers crossed, like past COVID really affecting teams. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's still, it's still an issue. There's still a chance. But, I mean, I know the Sixers have their – stuff at the beginning of the season. Um, it just doesn't seem to be as much as a worry as it once was. Yeah. It's just it's just been really great to watch basketball. Just sit down and, and enjoy. This whole yeah, just recently, like as a basketball fan in general, like it's been it's been a, a breath of fresh air really to, to kind of see what we're seeing this season. Yeah. Um so yeah, no, I I definitely definitely agree. Especially so with Watching Harden and Embiid, like obviously, there's a lot of attention. Um, uh, you've been here. I'm sure you've been hearing a lot of the national media with saying how often they get to the free throw line and how it's disrespectful to the game. I've heard some say. Um, so I've also seen the counterpoints on Twitter. So just real quick, um, I, I think it's funny with the uh, with the Sixers. So there's there's Sixers Twitter and then there's James Harden Twitter and I don't know if you've kind of seen them come together with the Harden stands and I and I love watching them because like the Harden stands will go after anybody and odds are most of them are like like anywhere from like ten years old to like thirty five yep it's anywhere in that stretch there and the one of one of them tweeted out this video because it was like 
they're like, oh, you know, complaining how Embiid and Harden go to the line. And it's like, well, yeah, but this is what happens when you don't. And then it's like showing all these clips of like Harden throwing up lobs to Embiid and like the one play against the Knicks where he throws it behind him and Embiid throws it down. It's like, it's like this is what happens when you don't foul them. And that's kind of true. Like you almost have to foul them to try and slow them down. So my, th- my argument here, uh, for lack of better term, be- better words, is play better defense. Yeah, like like straight up, like I will be, I will look you at your face because if you were telling me that, oh well, Joel's only dropping this, that, and the other because he has he's at the line twenty times, just like James Harden. Watch the game mm-hmm. and tell me how many actual fouls there were because I guarantee you, don't get me wrong, there's always going to be a couple phantom calls that yeah. always go both ways, but Joel Embiid is seven foot, like two hundred and way more pounds than me. Yeah, he's gonna get fouled when he's going up for a layup. And, yeah, and he's, it's gonna happen. And, and he, again, he's mastered the game, kind of like James Harden has. Where he, it's not disrespecting the game to say, "Hey, if I want to get a foul, I realize that I have to put my arms." That rip through move Joel does. First of all, Chris Paul did like trademarked it. Like, yeah. That is a Chris Paul move. It just so happens that Joel's a center and is like, "Well, I can do this too," because yeah. you start triple threat, then you go to square up, and then and then you just rip through. Yeah. It's a foul. Like. Like I don't like. It's like they refer to it as getting your hand caught in the cookie jar. Yeah. It's like if you're like the second you go in for the reach. Yeah. Because if you know you're trying to disrupt them, just swing right through. Yeah, it's a foul. And it's a foul. It's a foul. It's a foul. It like, it's almost like an art to the way that these guys set themselves up. Yeah, for they, fouls. they're not they're not faking most of the time. most of the time because and the, and again this happens every player in the league will sell a foul. Yeah. Every player. So I don't care if it's Nikola Jokic. I don't care if it's LeBron. I don't care if it's whoever. Some of the worst are Chris Paul, Kyle Lowry, like Marcus uh, Smart. Marcus Smart, especially. Yeah, like that's like you get genuine floppers in the league. Yeah, and now something that I was taught playing basketball. Again, I'm I'm a tall guy. I played center for my high school basketball team. Was hey, if you want like, a foul called. Like, you're a big guy. They're not going to see all the swipes down low and a group, you know, if all of a sudden the, everything collapses on you. Mm-hmm. Is when you go up, go up strong, but you got to act like you're, like, you. if you're getting hit, you have to, like, exaggerate. Yeah. Because you're the biggest guy on the court. They're not going to call the foul. It's yeah. just how it is. Just, like, my, uh, I will plead with people. Just sit down and watch a game because if Joel goes to the line 25 times, mm-hmm. I guarantee you, twenty of those free throws are like authentic free throws. There yeah. might be five where it's like, uh, you know, that one was close, or okay, yeah, he got mostly ball, but at the end he hit his elbow. You know, yeah. like, t- like twenty out of twenty-five, I guarantee you, are, are like all authentic fouls. Same yeah. thing with Harden. And that's that's the thing that I didn't understand with you know, because a lot of this debate, obviously, it's like you know, the game, the next game was Sunday. And then, obviously, national talk media is back on Monday. Um, it seemed to come after the Knicks game. And what was weird with the timing is the Knicks had more foul shots than the Sixers at one point, especially, like, late in the fourth. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're complaining about Embiid and Harden taking too many free throws, which obviously, like, they're the ones that are taking the shots. They're the ones that are Yeah, but as, free a, as a team. Yeah. But it's like those are your primary scorers. So, obviously, if they're the ones that are – the balls in their hand the most. Right, exactly. So, but yeah, no, it was just weird to me that the Knicks had more foul shots than the Sixers, and yet people are complaining about Harden and Embiid putting up too many. No, it's, it's literally like 
it's the that boy nice watcher compared to the box score watcher. Yeah. Which, don't get me wrong. The box score has its its pros and cons. You know, if I miss a game, I can always check the box score. Um, but it is seriously crazy how people are like, oh no, Joel's uh, the whole narrative that <laughs> this is my favorite narrative. Uh, Joel Embiid would be Kendrick Perkins if he didn't shoot yes, three. Yes, I have seen that before. And, and 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 I sit there every time, and I like like both hands on my temple, and I'm like. <laughs> Have you even watched a fucking game? Like, it's... It's just... Like, I don't understand. There's no way that you watch what Embiid has done on the court. Like, this dude is literally... And ESPN has said it before. This is not just me, like, being a biased Sixers fan just coming out of nowhere. Like, they have shown clips of Embiid, like, you know, doing Kobe shots and doing MJ shots. And, like, you know, comparing him to Dirk. And it's like... These are like some of the best shooters of all time. Not even is, shooters. Players. Players. That is not Kendrick Perkins. Like, are you kidding me? Kendrick Perkins can barely dribble a basketball, let alone do yeah. what Embiid does. Mind you, grab a rebound, go down, cross three people over, Euro step, and then dunk on someone. Yeah, exactly. Like, come on now. Show me Kendrick Perkins doing that one time. I've seen Kendrick Perkins dribble a basketball. There's no way he's coming anywhere remotely close to that. I've seen he, him get dunked on. I've seen that too. Kendrick Perkins was in the, the NBA just solely off of height and... Body mass. Body mass, yeah. Don't get me wrong, because it takes a lot of talent to get it there. It does. Uh, and I also really love Kendrick Perkins as, like, the ESPN analyst. What's funny is because he's also probably hyped up and beat and hardened the most. Like, he's like, yep, this is this is the duo. This is the, the championship Carry duo. Carry the hell on. I, I, I low-key love Kendrick Perkins. Uh, I love I love Kendrick. Yeah. Uh, just like I love JJ. Anything he does anal- analytically, I'm like, talk I agree. to me. Yes. Yeah, just talk to me. <laughs> yeah. I don't care what you have to say. You could tell me that Joel Embiid is... Wait, no, never mind. Uh, <laughs> talk to me, JJ. So, so uh, speaking of JJ, I don't know if you've noticed, because I've been really like... Is he coming out of retirement? No, probably not. If it hasn't happened, it didn't happen like two weeks ago, it's probably not going to happen. Um, but the, the one thing I did notice about, especially in the Timberwolves game, but I even saw it in the Knicks game, you see the dribble handoff, like Iverson cut that like Harden and MB were trying to get going. Mm-hmm. Like it's actually, like they've now done it with Curry, Redick, and now James Harden. Like it's actually kind of kind of impresses the way that Harden was able to do it because it's basically another pick and roll because I saw Harden come around and I think he did a floater on it the one time and then Embiid rolled around on the other. Yep. So, I mean, that is just, it's such a lethal offense to watch uh, it all play out. Like, literally the Knicks game was virtually the same as getting ready for Eagles Sunday at 1 o'clock, mm-hmm. which is really saying something. I get genuine excitement now knowing that the Sixers are playing. Like, they play tomorrow against the Knicks again. Yep. I get, I'm get. i genuinely excited to sit down and watch that game. Yeah. Whereas, like, I was I was talking to my coworker about it because um, he was like, yeah, before, like, most of the season, like, I haven't really watched the team. Uh, but he's like, I've, I've really been invested the last, like, two, three weeks. And he's like, what, like, what was really the point? And I was like, well, the point, like, obviously, like, you get these, like, not misfits because that's not what, most of these guys are, but you get like these younger guys, mm-hmm. you get these Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Thibault, like you get these guys, uh, and then you basically pair them with Joel Embiid and you just, you're not really watching the Sixers. You're mainly watching Joel Embiid. And my other coworker was like, and if Embiid's not playing, then it's like, what am I really watching for? And it's like, you get your occasional Tyrese Maxey games, mm-hmm. but like, that's a good point. I mean, you're basically watching the Philadelphia Joel Embiiders. <laughs> so like, 
to, yeah. to, to watch now, like, with James Harden and, like, see them all together as a, a team. Yeah, you're not watching just Joel Embiid. Now you are finally, and now me and you guys who really, like, love the Sixers are watching the Sixers. Yeah. But I understand, you know, if it's a nationally televised game, uh, people are watching for Joel Embiid and whoever else they're playing. Right. But it's, like, now to be like, hey, no, like, people are watching the Sixers. When did when was the last time Tyrese Maxey got like national recognition? I don't know, but it seems to be happening a lot now. Oh yeah, I was. It, it's now you're like this started out as this is Joel Embiid's team, and then like you heard some chatter. It's like all right, like Tyrese Maxey, he's nice. Like he's nice with it. That boy nice. Yeah, exactly. And then it's like okay, you trade for James Harden, and then it's like all right, Embiid and Harden. This this is the Embiid and Harden show. Like nothing more. And then, like, you get some games with Tyrese Maxey. Like, he's made the, the Rising Stars Challenge. Like, he's, you've kind of seen Maxey now in a national spotlight more so than, like, all of last year and a decent amount for this year. And now you're hearing, like, big three? Yeah. And, like, that's saying something. That's a jump. That Especially is- my favorite part about this is James Harden is going to mentor Tyrese. He's pushed him more than anybody. And... Do you know how old Tyrese is? Top of your head? 21. Which is baffling. <laughs> He's 21 years He's, old. He came into the season at the age of 20. Which is baffling. Which we, is, we could literally have, like, with this mentorship of James Harden and, you know, obviously some more, a little bit more player development out of Tyrese, um, he could be, like, a cornerstone point guard shooting guard. Well, and the best part is, it's like you watch that, that Bucks game, even before Harden's playing, but Harden's on the bench. And they're, the Sixers were down. They got uh, yes. to the timeout. I know what you're talking and about. And Harden is like, he's like getting getting on Tyrese. He's like, listen, man, he, you need to be more aggressive. He walks up to Tyrese and coaches him through, hey, when this happens, you need to cut, yada, yada, yada. And then, and then Tyrese go just goes off. He goes on this tear. He, he literally... He gets like 12 in a row. Yeah, he literally sparked the entire Sixers comeback and like put them up by like 10. Yeah. And you see after the one layup, you know, he's running back down. And then there's, you got... James Harden coach on, coaching on the sideline, and he's just yelling at Tyrese, like, thank you, yeah. thank you. Like, it's like, this is literally what I said to do. It's, but, and it's also the fact that, like, and, and I, I, think it's, I think it's a lot to do with the greatness of James Harden, that yeah. as a 21-year-old, like, yeah, you made it to the league. Now let's get better. Yeah. To, so I'm going to give a lot of credit to Tyrese because there's, there's guys that be like, no, I play my game. Yeah. Like, this is how I play. Yeah. But that's the thing, like Tyrese, pretty much from the jump of him getting to Philadelphia, and even when the season ended last year, like he was literally like, just get 1% better every single day. Yep. Like I'm going to get 1% better every single day. I'm going to put in the work this offseason. I'm going to I'm gonna take off. And that's what he did. Like, I mean, obviously he's, he's been put more to the spotlight since Harden showed up. And like, but Tyrese, when Embiid was out with COVID, like he really stepped up in a big way that I don't think a lot of people were expecting. Uh-huh. And I think you and I were even a little bit nervous uh, when the season started with Tyrese being the starting point guard. Because I mean, there was a lot of talk with, like, all right, who are the Sixers going to trade Ben Simmons for? Are they going to try and trade for a starting point guard? I had been saying most of the season, I was like, listen, best case scenario, you trade for a starting point guard, Tyrese comes off the bench, you kind of let him go into his own thing, run the second unit, and I think he would really thrive. But my man has proved me wrong. And has thrived with the first unit mm-hmm. and has really made a name for himself. And the fact that Doc, and this is, I think, the biggest growth from Doc Rivers as a coach, 
the fact that he's like, listen, we're going to stagger these guys. All right. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be either Embiid, Maxi, yeah. Tobias, James, all on the court. One of them on the court at least. So I, and we talked about this last episode and I think my pairings were correct. I think you said I you said, said Maxi and Bede and Harden and Harris. Yeah, because that's that's what it's been yeah, so far. I, I I think I said that on yeah. the last episode. Uh, real quick, I wanted to pull up Maxi's stats from this year. Yeah, just to show that he's uh, or from last year to this year. Now, last year he averaged fifteen minutes a game, thirty uh, percent three point shooting, uh, two rebounds, two assists, uh, eight points per game, mm-hmm. and now. We, we, we both know Doc doesn't love to play rookies. Right. Um, Which is why we haven't even sniffed Jaden Springer yet yeah, this season. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> um, and now this year, uh, obviously Ben Simmons drama, so he gets to start. He's averaging 35 minutes a game, which mm-hmm. is a lot. It is a lot. It's quite a jump. Uh, he is 47% field goal percentage, mm-hmm. uh, shooting 40% from three, which is a number which I is- didn't realize. Um, oh, and backtrack. Let's see. Um, uh, little under four rebounds, uh, four and a half assists, and he's up to seventeen points per game. He's gotten better as a as a playmaker. Like the the assist numbers, I think, have kind of gone up throughout the season. But that is those are such good jumps for him. Well, and it's a, uh, it's, like you said, one percent better every single day, and everything I just read to you. Shows that. Yeah. Because it's not like... It shows he's put in the work. Yeah, and I mean, I think this is saying he's shooting like three or four threes per game. And so he 40% shooting three or four. I mean, those are good numbers. But the thing is, too, with Maxi, and it's like he was not a good shooter in college. This (laughs) is It's not like he came into the NBA and it's like this sharpshooter coming out of Kentucky. Like that was the one thing on his game that like most people... that. Probably it was why he slipped to twenty one to be perfectly honest. Yep. And you know, looking at his his profile, it's like, all right, look, but like he shot eighty percent plus from the free throw line, which is you can kind of mold a three like you can mold a shooter out of that. Yep. Not necessarily a three point shooter, but at least a decent shooter. And that's exactly what Maxie's done, what you know, working with Doc Rivers, Sam Cassell, like a lot of these guys has done for him. Uh, which I'm I'm thoroughly impressed with the the leap that Maxi has taken to the fact that he's now not only in consideration with, you know, some of the top rising stars in the NBA, mm-hmm. but the fact that he's even considered it in a big three. Yeah. Like, he is, he is without a doubt, in my mind, the third scoring option on this team. Yeah. And, and which, well, coming into the season, you know, you're looking at that, the second scoring option to be Harris. Well, yeah. eh, debatable Harris but, and Curry. Uh, it would have went, how I looked at it going in is, Pre-James Harden, uh, Joel was your primary option. Yeah. Then you had Seth, just because of that playoff run he won Yeah. On. And then you had Tobias, which I think worked for them. But now you're looking at Tobias, who... I'm not going to knock him. It's his second... It's two games in with James yeah. Harden, but he he struggled. Well, I was gonna. I wanted to talk to you about that a little bit too, because Harris is kind of like you were thinking that Harris might gel pretty well with Harden with getting him open. Yes, and it seems like Harris has kind of changed his game. Like Harris seems to want to create a little bit more than what, like I know it drives a lot of people nuts, but he does a lot of dribbling, and then that dribbling results in like contested mid range jumpers, and that I know the fans have it's just been driving them crazy. 
But it seems to be now with Harden is Harden is kicking it out to Harris, and Harris is trying to become a spot-up shooter, and he's not knocking down the shots. Like, he hasn't been great from three this year. But, Har- like, Harris has the track record that when he was with Ben Simmons last year, and he was he, was, he can hit these shots. I think he's just kind of going through a rough stretch right now. And I, I tweeted it out from BRB how despite the fact that he wasn't knocking down any shots, he was still getting really good open looks. Mm-hmm. And then he played really good defense on Carl, Carl Anthony Towns. Towns. And he, he played really good defense on Giannis, too. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can discredit, like, yeah, Toby's game can be a little frustrating offensively sometimes, but he's really stepped it up as a defender, and I don't think you can discredit that. Yeah, definitely. How important that's going to be come playoff time. Yeah, he's been a very underrated defender. Yeah. And it might just be solely based on the fact that he is um, – Energized all the time. Like, yeah. It, it, I, I don't think I've ever really seen plays where he takes a playoff. He's he does he's not a guy that's going to get down on himself. The only time I can really think of like where he actually got down was that game where he was being booed. Yeah. And then he kind of like lashed out at the fans. Yeah. Um. What I will say, we talked about Tobias on a couple of the other episodes this season, and it just seemed like previously that he was just in his head trying well, to. Well, that's think. the thing. That's, so yeah, go ahead. It seems like now he's back in his head. Yeah. Because he's he's hit a couple of the spot-up shots. But what I'm seeing is James will get the rotation and, and, and get Tobias the ball in like a prime spot to shoot a three. The it's defender's closing open. out. Yeah. And all he has to do is shoot. But Tobias will dribble around it. Mm-hmm. And then the help comes. And then everything gets a little stagnant for... Not necessarily stagnant, but it really slows down. Yeah. Where I'm like, Tobias. I'm like, just take the shot. Like if, and I think that's something that comes with just practice. Yeah. And it might even be like, I play pickup and I tell people who I play with, this is where I like the ball because this is how I shoot. This is where it goes, whatever. Mm-hmm. It might be as simple as a fix as a James, James Harden, Tobias Harris conversation of Tobias saying, Hey, you're giving me the ball more in my hip. Mm-hmm. I want it up towards my chest more. Because my shot goes quicker yeah. and it feels better, it feels yeah. more natural. Like it, it could literally be that simple, which it, which might be why uh, the ball comes in and Tobias is like, "Well, I don't like where I have it, so I'm going to take another dribble and try and get to the mid range." Yeah, I, I I'm still a very firm believer that that pairing will come um, come to flourish. Yeah, um, I agree. I, I said I have a guy named Mike over at work. Uh, who I told right after the trade, I said, hey, first game, Tobias is dropping 32. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I, which did not happen. Um, <laughs> but he was getting the open looks. Yeah, I am a believer that it'll work. Because, again, you're talking James Harden, you're talking Tobias Harris, who are both pros pros. Yes. I mean, like, Tobias, I mean, he's even said he, he just wants to win. Yeah. And then you have Doc Rivers on top of that, who I know gets a lot of hate. Uh, a lot of people might say he's overrated. I don't necessarily think he's overrated. Um, there are some times where I question what he's doing. Judge me um, nuts from time to time, yeah. He makes millions of dollars to be a coach. I'm sitting at home telling him how he should coach. Yeah. One of us is doing better than the other, <laughs> and I'm not doing better than anyone. One of so. us is, has a has a Super Bowl, or not Super Bowl, uh, NBA Finals uh-huh. championship, uh, and I'm Yeah, here. I saw that, like, oh, like Doc Rivers – has three losses while lead like in playoff series while leading three one like they came back and they swept the series mm-hmm. and I'm like okay but like it just shows that he's get he's in the playoffs a lot yeah like I don't know yeah. I 
I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah. I, I, I still think Doc is the answer. I yeah. really do. I think Doc is definitely, like, I've, I remember watching, and I was a big uh, supporter for Brett Brown, but, like, just watching the difference in offense between Doc and Brett is there was a lot of standing around yes. for Brett, and it did drive me nuts because I think it, it, like, it didn't set anybody up really for success. Whereas, like, how many times did we watch a contested shot? It yep. seemed like every single time. Whereas, like, with Doc, it's like there's there's fluidity. There's, you know, you have guys, like, especially Matisse, he's cutting. You have Tyree. Like, all these guys, they're cutting. They're getting open shots. Yep. They're, like, they're setting screens. So, like, which is what I, I still think is the best case scenario for, and somebody said it uh, on Twitter today, too. They were like, you know, Doc Rivers gets all this hate, but, like, look at what he's done with some of the guys that he's coached since coming to the Sixers. Like, we have seen improvements from Tobias compared to what he was with Brett. Uh, Embiid, now granted, like Embiid is, I think that's more Embiid than it is Doc, but like Embiid has, you know, elevated his game a lot. Tyrese has elevated his mm-hmm. game a lot. Like I, I do think that um, Doc's tough love on Tyrese sometimes, like has actually really paid off yeah. well for him. What, well, what I will say is, like there is absolutely, pre-James Harden trade, absolutely no way the Sixers realistically mm-hmm. should have been top five in the East. Well, that's the other thing, too, and I'm glad you said that because, yeah, they you look at that team and you've looked at their history without Ben Simmons, and there's no reason that they, they should have even had a fighting chance to be top five in the East. We Our early season predictions, I mean, we talked, and being a homer, I was like, ah, like, like five, five, six. six. Yeah, like, I ah, remember that. They'll be... They'll yeah. be you know, in there, like, I kind of saw them taken in that, like, Atlanta Hawks last year where it's like, okay, well, they're in. Let's see if they can make some noise. Um, but no, like, now, granted, like, Joel has been phenomenal, but one player does not get you those wins. No. And so, that's uh, to me, uh, like, a lot of credit has to go to Doc mm-hmm. because to be, what, we're third right now? Like, maybe... We're actually on the, like, pretty close to second yeah. right now. I think we're a half game out of second, three games out of first. Yeah. Um, that's, unless someone lost and I didn't see it. But, I mean, like, a lot of that has to go to Doc for se- for basically being like, hey, we're gonna, I'm gonna keep this ship afloat mm-hmm. until something happens. And he sure as hell did. I mean, we are, we're right there. I mean... And now we have James Harden, and I'm looking at the rest of the schedule. We have a great week coming up mm-hmm. of some really. Uh, we play Miami. We play Chicago. Um, There's another good team in there. Uh, Cleveland. Cleveland. Um, and we got Brooklyn coming up. <sighs> I, I'm very excited for that. Game. He won't play. He's not going to. I know. I'm, I'm aware of that. Um, I know he's I, doubtful. For I the game. hope more so than him not playing. Like I want him to play, mm-hmm. but if he's not going to play, I want him to be there. I want him to be on the bench, which yeah. I'm I'm kind of skeptical if he he's going to be he there. Won't. You don't think so? Yeah. No, I, no. I, I, I don't think he no, will no. be either, but like I, I'm kind of skeptical. Uh, I was at the game where – never mind. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to sound like a trashy Sixers fan. Uh, I. He won't be there. Nah. I, will, I, would, I will bet my life savings. If he's not – so here's what I'll say. If he's not playing the week beforehand, yeah. which is like this week, yeah. <laughs> he won't play. Yeah. And well, if he, they, if they said he's got the back injury. There, there was like a report. He's like, oh, you know, he's coming along like mental health wise. But then it's like, oh, he's got the back injury. Guaranteed, the first game after March. I was thinking that too. He'll be, he'll be. Yeah, there. I he'll guarantee be. you that. It, well, because Brooklyn still has another game in Philly. 
this year, if I'm not mistaken. They played two in Brooklyn, but I'm pretty sure that I think they still have two left to play against Philly in Philly. I was talking to some more of my basketball friends. Could you imagine if Ben Simmons' first game back in Wells Fargo was in the playoffs? I would love it. I, 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 undisclosed illness out for the series is what my guess would be. Yeah, no, I would, I would love it. Just because you know, like you know, Embiid is gonna be like, let's eat. Oh my gosh, I he's thinking that James and, James Harden against the Nets alone, like against KD against Kyrie, like the whole beef there. He's like, let's eat. But it, Joel Embiid especially, it would be like that would be one of the all time best like if, matchups. Yes, if they were to win, it would be one of the best moments in Sixers history. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'll go as far as to say that if they meet in the playoffs yeah. in like a meaningful round, yeah. if they end up meeting in the Eastern Conference Finals, oh it, might go, it might go oh down as one of the best playoff matchups ever. Regardless of what the outcome is, Yeah, just because of the fact that like the situation, Ben Simmons giving up on the Sixers, going to Brooklyn for James Harden, where James didn't want to be in Brooklyn, Philly was his choice. Both these guys going head-to-head. You Let's got see what KD, happens. you got Joel Embiid, you got Kyrie Irving, you, like you got all these big names. Yeah. Like this is like this, this is, is like show this is like NBA yeah. like, pedestal right there. Yeah. This is if the script writers are writing this one out, that's what the, the matchup that yep. they're looking and for. And then it's and then all of a sudden game one, jump ball, here we go, and it's blood. Oh like, yeah. well and then even then you got the Embiid Drummond matchup too, which is oh. like that right there. Like, I'm getting goosebumps so, just thinking so, about it. Oh, I forgot about that matchup. <laughs> so I I really think after uh, Dre being on the Sixers, that they're like buddies now. Yeah, they, that's true. They, 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 they do. But, like, yeah. but a part of me wonders, did you ever hear about Sha- Shaq making up stories uh-uh. to be mad at players so he played better? No, I don't remember There that. is a story, and I don't remember exactly how it goes, so I'll just basically sum it up, as Shaq made up a story that like David Robinson did something to Shaq, mm-hmm. like personally, outside of basketball. Yeah. So that and Shaq like convinced himself to the point where he a hundred percent believed it. Yeah. To be mad at David Robinson to get like that extra like oomph out yeah. of his own game. So I'm imagining Joel doing that. Joel being like, well, this one time in practice he threw an elbow because he wanted to start the next game. Yeah. So so now I'm gonna take it to the next. Like like I'm imagining like like playoff Joel already. Have you seen the narratives? I keep getting sidetracked because no. playoffs get me excited. Yeah. That, like, Joel doesn't show up in the playoffs. Joel literally is the only reason the Sixers have a fighting chance in the playoffs. Well, the even time. when they're in the play, Yeah, when they're in the playoffs, like, he's... Like, game there's, seven, he, he like, against uh, Toronto. Yeah, there's really only been one time where I can safely say in my head that Joel did not show up for a playoff game, and it was because he was sick. And that's game four against the Raptors. Yeah. Um... So that's the only time I can really think in my head where it's like, okay, Joel. Outside of, like, his face being smashed into yeah. by Markel. Yeah, that's that's the only time I can really think of, like, okay, Joel did not show up for a game. Yeah. But, like, again, my guy was sick, and then he's, he, like, I don't know his exact line from that game, but it wasn't horrendous. Uh, I, I do remember it being pretty bad, but regardless. No, like, he, he doesn't choke. No, yeah. I just... It's not, it, like, when you need a basket late, who is the first guy that you're going to? I mean, it's is Joel. it is it? Because now we got James. Well, that's the thing, though. It's, it's like it's so fun to but think in the about. Past, in the past, it's Joel. It's Joel. But right now, you have two Joel, options. You have James, and you can even go to Tyrese, and then like 
you know, if the you, 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 I mean, you can trust Harris. I was gonna say Tobias has hit game winners. I remember he just hit game winners. I remember you, you his trust him. His turnaround. Well, because what's great about his game is he's very good against mismatch. Uh, like if he gets miss uh, switched a guard switched onto him. Wow, that was really hard to say. <laughs> um, I mean, if you look think back at that Lakers game, I think it was last year. Maybe it was this year. I think it was last year. Uh, Alex Caruso switched onto him late in the game. Yeah last possession and Tobias just turn around you know over shoulder jumper mm-hmm. and cash yeah like so, won the game right there yeah so Tobias definitely is valuable in those situations Maxi's quick enough where he can and he finishes well enough at the rim that he and can how many do times have we seen him hit like those like like right before the half like yeah. buzzer beaters yeah and then what's fantastic is now you have two guys that draw in so much attention that that fifth guy on the floor can just be a shooter yeah, so whether you want to go with the shooting route and Danny Green or you or you or George ho- Niang or you go with the cutting route, the defensive route, and you bring in Batiste and then like you draw something up where he can just get a backdoor cut. Yep. Like there's so many there's options. So many instead of just all right, Joel, get the ball. Joel, get the ball, put up a shot. That's probably gonna get double, triple, quadruple teamed. Yeah, they're gonna throw the owner at him like Yeah, it's- exactly. Like now now you got some options. Um, real quick here, because I know we're getting close to an hour. Um, backup center is I, I think kind of right now the one weak spot that the Sixers have, um, March and Paul Millsap out there. Well, I just want to bring up real quick uh, DeAndre Jordan. No, no, you don't want DeAndre. No, Jordan. I I would rather Willie Cauley Stein. Really, I would rather them sign. Yeah, really. Oh. DeAndre is great. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, and he has he'll end up signing with the Sixers just because the chemistry or the history of him and Doc. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, DeAndre's, what, 36? He's he, up there. He's up there. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying he's a bad player, but the what they want to bring in is a guy, like you said, a backup center that can come in and play 15, 20 minutes, if that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they want him to complement um, Harden's skill set. So all you need someone to do is rebound the basketball, mm-hmm. be able to contest shots defensively, mm-hmm. and catch lobs. So, Willie Cauley Stein is younger, probably has more energy. Like, mm-hmm. like I just think it fresher legs. Yeah, I yeah. just think it makes more sense to be like, all right, well, we have this guy who's probably at this point in his career more of an athlete than DeAndre Jordan is right now. Yeah. So why bring in? Like, it's not going to matter. Let me just start there. Yeah. But yeah. I would, I would just rather them stick it out with Willie. I, I also, I, also I like, like the, Willie the cheek tattoo. I do too. I it's. If yeah, we I, w- if we win, I'll get the Willie Cauley Stein cheek tattoo. What does it say? Do you know? Nope. I just I just like it. I do too, kind of actually. I'm not gonna lie, but I I like Willie Cauley Stein, and I do I really did like that signing actually. I just they don't play him, and which leads me to believe that after this ten day is up, they're probably not gonna bring him back. So that's kind of why, like in my mind, I'm really not accounting for him. Um, DeAndre Jordan, you're you know, I mean you said it like he's got the history of Doc, like you know you. Just need somebody to come in, rebound, like hold their own, basically. Which we've said multiple times on the podcast, like how great of a backup Drummond was for Embiid, and like Paul Millsap, like I like Paul a lot. He's not a five. That's he's the not thing. a five. That's the only problem. He's he's a he's a small ball five. Yeah. But they bring him in as like a true five, and I'm like, this isn't. But then you got him going up against these second units where they're bringing in a legitimate backup center, and Paul's getting manhandled. Yeah. And not he like he can't get rebounds. Yeah. Like he's typically a good rebounder when he's going up against a four, like that's fine. But he's what six seven. Yeah. Like, I, I I much prefer Paul Millsap as like a small ball five. Yeah. Which is why like if you bring in DeAndre, like you, 
and you play, I don't know, uh, and you play the Nets. And yeah. Joel subs out, Andre's in. It's like, all right, well, I have DJ who can go in and play some defense uh, compared to uh, Paul. But, I mean, if Blake Griffin's starting center, I don't mind Paul Millsap then. No, and I think it's a matchup kind of thing too. Like, And that's why like, I really wish they would give Willie Cauley-Stein more of an opportunity because I think he probably matches up better against majority of these teams. Yeah, he's, he's a little more athletic, so he can kind of like – he. I don't know how great he is defensively. But just from what I know of his skill set, he's an, one of those, again, freakishly athletic dudes yeah. who basically was brought into the league for you can dunk the ball really hard and you can block shots really hard. Come play with me. Yeah. Like, so I just don't see the need for... And now, what I will say is the, the one thing that DeAndre Jordan has that Willie Cauley-Stein doesn't is a lot of playoff experience. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at however many games DJ has to Willie Cauley-Stein's zero. I'm pretty, I mean, he spent most of his career with the Kings, Which, so I mean, uh, that kind of says enough. It's not coming from there. <laughs> well, and especially, like, playing in the playoffs. Like, not just being there. Right. Um, so, I mean, you might even want to bring him in just for the fact that you can, he can talk with Joel or he can talk with, you know, some of the younger guys. Yeah. And just say, like, hey, this is what's going to happen. Like, And I think that's part of the reason why they bring in a guy like Paul Millsap, because it's like you bring in that veteran leadership. Yeah. And I, st- I still like the addition of Paul. Like, I don't do get too. me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I, I think Paul can, you know, whether it's on the court or off the court, I think he provides a valuable mm-hmm. asset for the team. Um, just on the court, I just think, like, he's, there's, there's better options. Well, yeah, he's at the point in his career where in order to play Paul, there needs to be, like, a specific lineup. Yeah. And it's if your center's under 6'10". Yeah. So if you're playing a center, like, you know, a small ball center that's six nine, it's like, all right, yeah, I can play him here. Again, like Blake Griffin. Like, yeah. that would be... That would great, be the ideal matchup. Yeah. Or someone of that caliber, yeah. you know, athleticism and all that. Because, yeah, then they can match up. Um, whereas, like, DeAndre Jordan there is probably going to be a little too slow to be able to play defense there. Right. Or move around with him. Right. But that's just how I feel. Regardless of what they do, come playoffs, it's not going to matter too much to me. Just because... I mean, Joel's playing like what, thirty two, thirty three a night right now. He's right gonna, now, he's gonna he's gonna go up probably to like 35, 38 yeah. come playoffs. Yeah. Like. So I mean, you need someone to go in and play seven minutes of basketball. Yeah, and um, not go like minus like Greg Monroe. Yeah. yeah. Um, a couple other small points I want to make. Yes. Uh, I'm gonna throw a couple questions at you. I want real quick responses. All right, hit me. Uh, Isaiah Joe needs more Furcon or needs more minutes than Furcon. Yes. Yep. Yes. One hundred percent. I'm so tired, and we've said this before. I I cannot deal with Furkan Korkmaz anymore. Um, Isaiah Joe, like just I know this. You said quick answers, but Isaiah well, Joe, <laughs> Isaiah Joe, like just not even necessarily offensive because like I feel like Isaiah Joe, like he needs the shots to stay consistent, but like he he gives you so much more on defense too. Which he's not quite like Matisse level, but I think he's at least respectable enough where like yeah. you can put him on a decent offensive player and he's going to hold his own. Yeah. So yes, Isaiah Joe over Furkan Korkmaz. Uh, here's where it gets fun. Uh, Charles Bassey or DeAndre Jordan? You know, if they played Bassey more during the season, I probably would go Bassey. But if we're talking playoff, per, like personally playoffs, I'd probably go DeAndre Jordan. Paul Reed, Paul Millsap. Uh, Paul Reed, actually. So I'm a big fan of that one. Yes. Um, so the two games after the trade of Drummond, 
uh, going to Brooklyn, and Reed was the backup five. I was impressed because Reed played this role of like spark plug, mm-hmm. um, and I went. I was at the Cavaliers game and just seeing the job that he did on defense, and even in the season, like throughout the season. Remember that game against the Bucks where he was guarding Giannis most of the game, and just yeah. how pesty yeah. he was to Giannis. Yeah. Like, well, he like what blocked the shit out of a shot. Yeah, and then, like, and then, he, got, and then he got in his face. Yeah, and it's like I love that, yes. and I I love B-ball Paul, and I love like they need to get him, they need to get him involved. Like I don't think he's quite there from a playoff perspective, just because I haven't been playing him most of the season. But I think if you let him kind of take over as the backup five, which I think they want to do, like Doc has kind of like toyed with it. Um, but he said earlier in the season, or it was last year, he's like, he's not ready to be a backup five just yet, or like, yeah, play the small ball five. But I think you could get there. What I really like about Paul Reed's game is it really complements James Harden's game. Yeah. Uh, Paul Reed is just a ferocious, like, he might not get the rebound, but he's going for every rebound. And yeah. He's kind of like that spark plug you said. He's also another one of those uber athletic guys who's just like lobs. My, I mean, we've seen his athleticism. Yeah. I think it would he would really flourish next to James Harden, just in a pick and roll standpoint. And I mean, uh, Paul Reed has a little bit of range. Yeah, uh, I know his jump shot doesn't look it's the prettiest, ugly. but it, it, go, it goes in. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just I really like the idea of a James Harden, Paul Millsap, my, Paul Reed. My best hope for Paul Reed is just slow things down a little bit because mm-hmm. every time he's out there like yeah i love the spark plug thing but like he just feels so rushed yep. every time he's out there like he's trying to do a million things at once like yep. he does not have any control like he catches the ball and it's immediately like jump hook like yep. it's like so just if you slow things down a little bit and let the game come to you i think it would go a long way he, for uh, him because i mean he's shown that he can do it he's literally won g league mvp and he was even putting up like 25 10 and like six yeah you know so, he uh Needs to hook up with Joel Embiid this summer, and Joel just kind of needs to be like, "Hey, like, slow down," or or get uh, Paul with Drew, yeah, uh, and just let him figure out his game because Drew has done wonders for Joel. Yeah, yeah, Drew, like Drew is kind of what molded Joel into this like lethal well, shooter, and and he's he's touched a lot of talent in the NBA. I know he's worked with Tatum, like, uh, Tatum, Levine. I think he worked with Bradley. I think so. Um, just like these guys who have taken like fantastic leaps. Yeah. Uh, last question: Where do the Sixers end up seeding wise? Seeding wise, um, with how tight the East is, uh, I'm gonna say they're gonna finish out third. I, I think they they finish out third. I think it's gonna be close, but and I I think when I say third, like I think they're gonna be like right there with like Miami and Milwaukee mm-hmm. and. Chicago, like Chicago, like they're now two and thirteen against teams with a six hundred record or better, which really, like they're they're, be- they're, they're 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 beating, beating up that they, they need to, which is great, but they're not winning. Like I'm not looking at their their wins and I'm like, oh wow, like look at Chicago, like yeah. they're 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 doing what they need to do to stay top in the East, but it's like all right, like they haven't really beat anybody. They're zero three against Philly. So, yeah, but I, I think once season come like, come the end of the season, I think they'll be, be three seed. Um, and then just one last point I, I just want to make here. So one of the, the things here with Ben Simmons is the strength of his game is pushing uh, and getting out and running and transition and tempo. 
um, which I've been really pleasantly surprised with James Harden, is how well he's actually done that as well. Oh, yeah. But what makes me feel more confident, because the first round of the playoffs is kind of, is like you get that playoff feel, but like it's also. You're just like, getting your, your toes wet. Right. But and like you watch these games and it's very like regular season kind of style. Mm-hmm. But once you start getting into the second round, the third round, the fourth, like that's when it's like who's got the better half court sets. And that's where I think Ben Simmons normally like that's where that's where he that's goes what, away. That's that's, that's, that's not his strength to struggle. That is not the strength of Ben Simmons. I will put James Harden in the half court set is where he thrives, and they just you've seen them in the half court set a pretty decent amount so far here to start like in his tenure, and it just looks so much smoother. Like and now, Grant, yes, it's a two game sample size. We're not even at the playoffs yet, but like, just the the tempo feels good like they're pushing they're getting out and running but also when they need to slow things down it just looks so cohesive yes. like it's it's a fluid offense um i think the sixers finish out too okay uh the diehard me says they finish one yes i don't <laughs> see them losing many games um mostly because i think it's going to take a bit for people to figure out how to defend both of them mm-hmm. um so i think it's just not easy wins, but wins because of like figuring out yeah. how, to, how to defend two you know top fifteen players in the league right now. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I will say is, right now, small sample size we have, but just as the players as they are. Yeah. Uh, Joel Embiid and James Harden are probably second best duo in the league. You said so. Yeah. Who who would you put in front of them? Probably KD and Kyrie. That's that's where I go. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I am a huge KD fan. Yeah. Like 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 believer in his game. Like yeah. I'm I'm one of those people that will tell you that Kevin Durant is the best offensive player to ever play the game of basketball. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at seven foot, handles like a guard, can shoot anywhere, anywhere. can finish anything, and then Kyrie who is probably one of the craftiest, or is one of the craftiest players in the league, also finishes fantastic, uh, can shoot the ball really well. Um, I'm trying to think of another duo. I mean, Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum. That's a good duo. Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Steph is still peak Steph. Clay, I have. I don't think Clay's... Still, re- he's still working his yeah. way back from the injury. So potentially. Yeah. Um... um Somebody that Le- LeBron and AD, but neither of them are ever healthy together. Yeah. So like, maybe it's, maybe overall, yeah, but right yeah. now, no. Um, Giannis and Middleton. Uh, Middleton is a lesser player. Yeah. Like, so when I'm looking at duos, this is how I go through it. Like, I almost like line them up and say, all right, like, Joel is better than this player, mm-hmm. and then James Harden is better than this player. So like. Giannis is really good. Again, he's one of the top three basketball players in the league right now. Yeah. And that's, ignoring the MVP race, I mean, it's still the best three players in the league right now. Well, I'll say four just because I don't know where I place him. Mm-hmm. Uh, KD, LeBron, Giannis, and uh, Steph. They're the four best players in the league, yeah. regardless of where they are in the MVP race. Um, but so when I'm looking at comparing these duos, I mean – I don't see a lot of duos that I'm like, oh yeah, like if I just like switched them, like I would want Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown instead of James Harden and, right. and 
Joel Embiid. Right. There's not many of them. Like KD and Kyrie, as basketball players, I'm like, okay, like if I might be like, hey, you know what? Yeah, you guys can. Yeah. And again, I, I don't. I don't ever want Joel off the Sixers. But right. Like there aren't many team or many players where I'm like, or many duos. I'm trying to think of. There was one. Like I mean, there's Chris Paul, Devin Booker. Uh, again, very good, but yeah. I mean, you're looking at Joel who gets it on like offensive and defensively. James Harden is an offensive master, mm-hmm. um, and Chris Paul is great offensively. Devin Booker is fantastic offensively, but neither of them really bring it on the defensive end. I mean, Chris Paul does, but he's also he's 36. Yeah. Um. Oh, there's got to be someone I'm missing. I mean, I I threw pretty much. I mean, there's Jimmy and Bam. Not a believer in that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I don't know. But yeah, I, <laughs> I will, I will put it. I will put my two against anyone else's two, any day of the week. I'm excited, um, and we'll continue touching on this with the podcast yeah. as the season goes along. It's, it's not a lot of season left. Like we're starting to get down the I home think, stretch. I think we're down to twenty odd some games. I mean, the season ends. I think it's like early to mid April, so yeah. I mean, we're 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 starting to wind down here a little bit. No, yeah, it'll um, be a, it'll be a fun finish. Like you mentioned, the East is very close at the top. Yeah. Where the last time I checked, the Sixers were in like third or fourth, sitting only three games out of first. So it just takes a little bit of a collapse of a team or a little bit of an uprise from a team to. You've kind of seen the jump that Boston's made this season. Like, uh, you know. I'm still not a believer in that. I th- I think they like they're figuring things out, but yeah. Well, I, so their big thing was like, oh, they're like, their defensive rating is through the chart since December, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, but like, look at where they were the first half of the year. I was like, there's no way they keep up with there's, this defensive rating. They're still a yeah. good team. Don't get me wrong, but like, and like, who's gonna guard Joel? Like, come on. Still, yeah. Al Horford. Yeah. No. No. I, no. no. And James Harden. No. <laughs> Anyway, well, I think with that, I think we'll uh, we'll call it a night on the podcast. Uh, we appreciate everybody listening. Yes, sir. Uh, had fun as always. Look forward to doing this every single time we we get ready to. Yeah, we're still trying to get in a routine. We're back. We should be back to every week for the remainder of the season. Uh, again, last week was just a we'll call it a playoff gap. Players get a week off. We took a week off. You know, yeah, it's all star break. You know, it's all star break for us. All star break for them. Like, yeah, you know, I hopped on a private jet. Threw thirty thousand dollars up to my ear and talked to it. And I, I did not do that. Lucky. Nah. <laughs> you must not have got my call. Nah, I did see the missed call. I forgot to check the voicemail. Shucks. Man, <laughs> next time. Next time. It's like jumping into the studio with Meek Mill and uh, who else? The little baby and and James Harden. James Harden. <laughs> I, can't, I can't miss this opportunity. <laughs> anyway, thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful night. Go Sixers. Peace out.